It's time for Supply Chain Now. Broadcasting live from the supply chain capital of the country, Atlanta, Georgia. Heard around the world, Supply Chain Now spotlights the best in all things supply chain. The people, the technologies, the best practices, and the critical issues of the day. And now, here are your hosts. Hey, good morning. Scott Luton with you here on Supply Chain Now. Welcome back to today's show. Hey, on today's episode, we're continuing our Logistics with Purpose series where, you know, we focus on organizations that are saving the world and changing the world in one way, shape, or form, powered by our friends over at Vector Global Logistics. Greg, I saw you wanting to go ahead and say hello. So, Greg White, you're one of our, we have a full staff of co-hosts here today. Greg, how you doing? I'm doing great. I'm, I'm looking forward to this. I love this series. So, and I really appreciate Enrique and the team at Vector bringing this to us. That's right. It's one of our favorites. So, Greg White is our first co-host here. He's a serial supply chain tech entrepreneur and trusted advisor. Joining Greg here in our virtual studio is Enrique Alvarez, Managing Director with Vector Global Logistics. Enrique, how you doing? I'm doing great. Thank you, Scott, Greg, Kevin. It's a pleasure to be here with you guys, and I'm really excited about the uh, show today. Kevin, um, thanks for doing this. It's awesome. And we, we admire everything you guys do. Uh, and I'm sure like the listeners are going to get a better sense of why we admire them so much after the show too. Absolutely. And, and, and Enrique is doing a little foreshadowing in terms of our featured guests, which we're going to get to in I one totally second. I totally forgot about that. I've been doing this for so long. I should know better. I, it's okay. That's there's right. plenty of Kevins. You still can. Uh, <laughs> we're off script already. We don't know which Kevin you're talking about. <laughs> oh, boy. All right. We're going to have a lively crowd this morning. Sorry for that. That's, no, no, you're fine, fine. That's, if that's the worst mistake we make all day, we'll be just fine. <laughs> yeah. Joining Enrique is Elisa Rodriguez, sales associate with Vector Global Logistics. Elisa, how are you doing? Hi, I, everything's great. Thank you. Thank you so much, Kevin, for being here with us. We are very excited for this new podcast. Agreed. Quick programming note before we, we bring in the illustrious featured guest here today that we're all excited to talk more about is if you enjoy today's episode, uh, this, uh, this installment of Logistics with Purpose, hey, check us out and subscribe wherever you get your podcast from. We publish Monday through Friday as the Supply Chain Now team works hard to cover global supply chain, which is a tall order for sure. Okay. I want to welcome in our featured guests here today. You've, you've heard us all already reference them just off stage. Kevin Carvajal. Incon Logistics Officer for the Office for International Programs at Salesian Missions. Kevin, how you doing? Hi, Scott. Morning, all. Great. I, I've got to own it. Please correct my pronunciation of your last name. Did, ha- did I butcher that terribly? Uh, I've had worse, but uh, no. <laughs> it's, uh, it's, it's, I mean, let's say the, uh, the Anglo version of it would be, you know, would be Carva- Carvajal. Okay. Carvajal. All right, give us, give us your version. Come on, let, let us hear it. There we go. Okay. So uh, I appreciate your explanation of that, and we're going to strive to get that right throughout the interview. I've been known to mispronounce my kids' names, to be fair and transparent, but uh, regardless, really appreciate you spending some time out with us here today. Obviously, the Vector team speaks very highly. Your ears have been burning, and we're looking forward to diving in more about who you are and what you do and, of course, what Solution Missions is doing. So, Kevin, up front, before we get into kind of talking shop, I uh, would love to learn more about you and, and where you're from. And you got to give us a couple of stories from your upbringing. Well, you know, I, I think, it, you know, I've, I can say, uh, you know, I had a pretty, you know, I guess, a traditional type upbringing. Born and raised, you know, in, in New York. 
suburban New York. I had uh, my parents, uh, my uh, sibling, older um, uh, sister. Pretty much parents immigrated from, um, from South America, from Ecuador, when they were teenagers. Over the years, it was always, you know, having, you know, that connection, affinity with their birthplace, Ecuador. Throughout the years, I had several interactions with some family that was still remaining over there and, and whatnot, and the opportunity to, 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 to travel there quite frequently. Anecdotally speaking, I can give you several stories, but one that really sticks with me and something that kind of can transfer to, you know, even now in my professional demeanor right now is the opportunity once that I had to, it was probably, I was around 12 or so, sister was uh, finishing high school. Uh, she had to do some community service hours. So we both went to a center, a home for uh, street children. And it was a center that really, uh, coincidentally, now is actually part of Salesians, the Salesian congregation. Don Bosco, you know, over there, it's uh, in, in, in most cases considered, uh, you know, Don Bosco schools and centers where, you know, the most vulnerable, you know, reside. Um, in this case, it was the Center for school, Street Children. Where was this center at again? This center was in, in Quito, Ecuador. It was called Chicos de la Calle, Micaleta, Chicos de la Calle. And uh, it was, it was a, a wonderful opportunity there that we had uh, just to interact with these wonderful uh, you know, children, pretty much playing with them, having the opportunity to just hear them, listen to them, play, uh, you know, kick the ball around with them, the soccer ball. Um, so that was, uh, you know, one of the, I guess, fondest memories that I have, primarily of Ecuador. That pretty much over the course of those years, I guess, really had, I, it became where I started to have a, a great affinity for for traveling, for being in Ecuador, learning the culture. And until, you know, it was until probably my junior year of high school that I really decided to uh, convince my parents and work with them to see if I can do at least a year abroad in high school, you know, study abroad there. I was uh, with some friends and, and family that I had over there. We uh, were able to to locate a uh, an American school, the American School of Quito. There, it was a uh, fully um, uh, accredited school, uh, U.S. school there, that was um, that had been there for well over a hundred years. So you know, it, it took it took a lot of convincing. It's my parents worked with them to to see if you know they wanted to send me there, even though they, obviously they weren't going to be there. I would probably be in under the care of a of an uncle of mine and his family, but it, it was, it was a great opportunity. They gave in and, and, uh, you know, you I went closed there for, them. yeah, yeah. So they, uh, <laughs> that was my junior year of high school later on. I mean, it was great opportunity there that I met a whole bunch of people from different walks of life, different places around the world. That's where I really became, you know, culturally sensitized, I think to a, to, to a great extent. And I decided, uh, you know, with my parents after, after sitting down with them, seeing how that first year evolved, uh, you know, we made the choice to, for me to, uh, to, you know, to continue my studies there and basically finish high school there. Um, so that was, uh, you know, that was a really uh, unique, like I say, uh, change for me, a uh, change for my family in general and something, you know, where, you know, my parents had opted out to leave Ecuador and no longer, you know, be there at that time, several years ago. But, you know, their son that was uh, born and raised, you know, in New York decided to go back to their homeland and, uh, finish up uh, high school there so that was a uh, you know that's a great story for me yeah love yeah, that that is awesome hey real quick before elisa asked you about your your more of your professional journey it seems like early on you cultivated a sense of purpose around serving others uh you were talking especially i heard it loud and clear as you were talking about you and your sister in in the center that down in in, in quito ecuador and and kind of how much you value those interactions where you're giving those children hope sound like to me at least some attention and some engagement 
you know, what they were maybe lacking. Is that sense of service, was that started in your, your formative years there? Yeah, I definitely think so. Uh, I definitely think so because I think, you know, after, after that experience and obviously in high school and, and also committing to certain hours of service, there also, um, you know, in high school in Aikido, you know, I think it later transpired into my later time there also both uh, finishing, you know, uh, some of my school and my schooling there also, you know, at undergrad level and then beginning to work, you know, professionally there in Ecuador, you know, it was always, I attempted to have that sort of connection, you know, with, uh, with service as well. I think, um, you know, in our life, we can't set aside the fact that, you know, we may work for whether it's a for-profit um, industry or not-for-profit, but we, you know, there always has to be a sense of purpose and a connection, I guess, with the local community and to attempt to, you know, hopefully build more, um, uh, strive for better um, outcomes. And I think, you know, if, if we have the opportunity to to do that as a person um, and to interact with those folks that probably are, are more vulnerable, then I think, you know, it just, it's it's an opportunity for everyone to just embrace that sense of, of empathy and, you know, solidarity with others. Well put. Wow. Okay. All right, Elisa, let's dive into uh, Kevin's professional journey. Okay, Kevin, could you please tell us about your professional journey prior to current role? How do you shape your value? Well, it, this, uh, you know, this journey, I guess it started part of, uh, like I said, with, you know, the anecdotal uh, references of, of Quito, of Ecuador. Um, I think a lot of it has to do with, you know, my uh, my stint and time there in Quito, Ecuador. I had the opportunity when I was uh, probably in my uh, last year um, of undergrad work uh, in Ecuador. I was, uh, you know, doing um, undergrad. I uh, double majored in uh, business ad administration and marketing. I um, took a, a post job in um, for a uh, cosmetics company manufacturer. The role was primarily was a, a inventory uh, control assistant there for uh, for this cosmetics company that had a. Uh, that was pretty much all their logistics, you know, their supply chain was managed by a, a 3PL. And, you know, just learning the nuts and bolts, you know, from inbound, outbound, virtual logistics, it was kind of just the plethora of, of all the different components that, you know, any commercial supply chain has. You know, that, that exposure that I had really kind of segued and I guess implanted, I would say more, more so implanted in me a, uh, you know, a sense of, you know, what, what else can I do with the logistics, uh, you know, or supply chain? Um, I said, you know, I naturally want to professionalize my, uh, you know, this, uh, my skills and this, you know, take it from, you know, from having this ex great experience of working with, uh, you know, this, this company to, uh, you know, hopefully transition to something larger. So I said, you know, it's time for me to uh, pursue some activity and um, pursue a, a, uh, a master's degree in, uh, in logistics. Uh, I went to, uh, for close to a year and a half uh, to uh, Barcelona, Spain. Uh, to, to pursue that um, that activity. So once I had that, you know, in place, you know, it was pretty much, it was kind of at the cusp of, you know, the, the recession here, the recession here that we had around, you know, the 2009, 2010 uh, era. And, you know, when I was coming back, I thought I was, uh, you know, you kind of are naively think that you'll just find a job, uh, would be able to, to work, you know, and put all my, uh, those skills to, to work. But, um, you know, it was, it was vastly, um, you know, uh, challenging during that time to, to find something here in the States. So I, uh, I had some friends, I had some um, uh, whatnot, you know, and other people that told me, hey, at the time, the recession really didn't afflict so much or impact, you know, Latin America. Latin America, on the, on the contrary, was kind of striving, was the, you know, things were, were going well over there. There was a lot of growth opportunities. So I decided to uh, head back over there. 
and 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 pretty much uh, do that, you know, and, and start uh, you know working in on my own in different entrepreneurial activities. At the same time, I took another post as a as a logistics coordinator for a civil engineering uh, company that was doing a lot of civil works with the government and other local municipalities. And uh, you know that's basically how you know everything just came about with learning more about logistics, getting into the you know the nuts and bolts of it. You know that's uh, that's something that really uh, has stuck with me and and really you know continues to uh, to really keep me active. Man, that's a fantastic story. First of all, the breadth of your education, some in the states, some in Ecuador, some in in Spain, and then coming back to the U.S. and then back. To South America. And at that time, Kevin, I wish I knew you. I had a technology company and we did a ton of business in Latin America and uh, spent a lot of time in Ecuador and Bolivia and Colombia and Chile and Peru down there. And man, we could have used somebody like you. <laughs> and right around that time too. But all right, so somehow, somehow we got you back to the States. So tell us about how you wound up at, at Salesian Missions and what the company is about. I love that question because it's, um, you know, it's very personal and at the same time, you know, it, it's something that, uh, you know, is also very professional. You know, it, it, was, it was basically the driver there was contrary to what was happening in 2008, 2009, 2010 in, in Ecuador and Latin America, you know, come this time uh, it was about 2013, things were going sour you know, yep. in, in Ecuador, uh, you had, all the, you know, a lot of these, uh, the governments, uh, leftist governments, socialist governments, uh, you know, pretty much enforcing a lot of things. They, they drain these uh, countries and then the economy put, you know, their priorities above people's priorities. Work was, uh, you know, growth really wasn't there. The country was in shambles. At the time I was with my fiance, uh, you know, we decided, okay, this is an opportunity, I think, for us to, to look for New Horizons. So we uh, decided, okay, we'll get married, but I will go first, head back to, to the States and see what, what, what happens now. So I found a temporary gig working uh, with a nonprofit in, in, uh, in New York City. Um, and, and that's pretty much where I said, hey, you know, there, there could be something more to this. You know, I was doing, you know, I've, I've always been focused. I always thought I was going to be in the for-profit business, working supply chain for for-profit enterprise. And uh, I said, well, why not pursue something that, you know, my passions, uh, you know, culture, learning about, you know, uh, international perspectives, uh, you know, supply chain, logistics, what else can be done? So I really just started using those keywords and, you know, in different search and search engines, you know, LinkedIn and whatnot. And lo and behold, Salesian Missions had a, a post, uh, had, a, had a vacancy. Um, it was for, um, at the time, it was property and logistics associate. So, uh, yeah, that was something I, uh, I definitely jumped on. I saw that I had that connection with it. I remember, you know, back in my head, I was thinking, hey, Salesians. I really didn't make that connection yet. You know, what happened several years ago when I was 12 years old at a Don Bosco Center in Quito, that there was a connection there. It didn't happen probably until I actually uh, had the opportunity to meet with the folks, you know, Salesian Mission folks, um, and discuss this and just begin to know that Salesians, this congregation, the Salesian congregation was in fact their, you know, their direct beneficiary, right? Um, so that's, um, that's something that really, like I can say that that's basically how, uh, you know, that's the, the evolution of, I guess, my professional career, basically. That's awesome. I have to tell you, I have family in Argentina and I don't know how you feel about this, but every time, every time you leave, you feel at once privileged 
to be able to get out when the getting is good. And, you know, Argentina is as volatile as any Latin American country. And at the same time, you feel guilty to have the privilege to get out and somewhat, I don't know what to say, sad for the, for the people who have to stay, but somehow they manage. I think that is a testament to people's resiliency to be able to manage through those frequent, unfortunately, times of crisis in, in South America in particular. That was mostly a personal statement, Kevin. <laughs> but you get some of those on this show, right, Greg? Yeah, I wonder if you have some of those moments as you went and left Ecuador, first of all. But then also tell us about Don Bosco and tell us about Salesian Missions and that connection, first of all, so people have a frame of reference. And then tell us about you know, what the organization does. Yes, I do have those, uh, you know, those instances where definitely I, I, you might have some sort of, you know, remorse or I would say, you know, you feel sometimes guilty for, for leaving, you know, and, and not necessarily uh, being, um, you know, there to kind of roll with the punches. But like you said, it's a testament, I think, of, of the people that actually remain and stay there. And I think it's something that truly sees, you know, the, the human condition of being resilient at the end of the day, you know, that they can basically take and weather the storm. And I think, you know, we're all living it now with COVID, the pandemic and whatnot. So those are different things that really, you know, in my work now with uh, the Salesians of Don Bosco and Salesian Missions, you know, that's where we really begin to see those, how these different um, components kind of connect, you know, the connections that exist where Salesian Missions is basically the development branch of the Salesian Congregation. Salesian Congregation is the second largest Catholic order uh, in the world, Salesian missionaries are uh, you know, basically priests, brothers that are in over 135 countries around the world. Our main focus is, uh, you know, teaching um, and you know, their main focus primarily is, you know, to to teach and work with the most vulnerable, the at-risk uh, youth, the young, and the poor. So that's you know, and and how they make those. Their programming is primarily with technical vocational education and training, TVET centers, you know, where they uh, give those, help those youth obtain skills, both hard skills, you know, and those soft skills necessary to become active and hopefully productive citizens. That's where Salesian Missions basically uh, comes into place. Uh, how do they, how are they able to achieve that? Uh, they're able to achieve that obviously with some uh, support from an organization, an NGO like uh, Salesian Missions that tries to source funding opportunities for them in order for them to implement though, that their program on the ground. We have two, uh, primarily uh, within the Office for International Programs, there's two verticals, one being the gifts in kind vertical. The other one is the uh, development vertical. Development vertical is the one that you know that uh, works with the field in, in producing competitive proposals and, and submit those to potential funders here in the U.S. The other one is obviously gifts in kind. The one that program that uh, specific component vertical that I oversee is probably pretty much you know the same thing. It's also sourcing those goods and working on the uh, logistics of those goods from point A to point B. Um, and in between that is obviously the whole intricacy of working with uh, our partners, our field partners, our distribution partners that are primarily obviously those, those the Salesian missionaries on the ground doing the work in the, in the midst of all the young, the poor, the vulnerable. And they're the ones that pretty much are our subject matter experts. You know, they are the ones that know the nuts and bolts. They know and have heard the needs of those, those communities and know what exactly is needed. So they are primarily our, our source of, of information, of knowledge, so we can basically 
find those, you know, the goods that are required. So your title is in-kind logistics, and you mentioned in-kind, right? And Scott uh, reminded me, we were talking to an African organization that said no product, no program. It really comes down to something that simple. So tell us about what your role is and the part that you play in getting the necessary goods or whatever to the subject matter experts or to the recipients of your, of your programs and that sort of thing. One of it has to be definitely there's a lot of cultivation, cultivation working directly with our, our donors, primarily other NGOs, corporate America, you know, just, just working with them and cultivating, uh, you know, pros- primarily before that, probably prospecting, cultivating these relationships, putting the Salesian Missions brand, or in this case, the Salesian of Don Bosco brand before them, take, telling them more about programs that we have on the ground, what the Salesians of Don Bosco are doing for, you know, the young and the poor. And, you know, just, just telling those stories uh, that they can hear, that they would want to hear, and that would hopefully compel them to, uh, to partner and collaborate with us. That's a good portion of, of, of the, you know, the role, a portion of, ta- you know, the responsibility of this role. And then it's a matter of obviously working uh, with the field, the field to, uh, to really delve deep into that, to use whatever we're sending. Obviously, it's being, it's hard commodities. I mean, these are commodities that we're sending that, for many, you know, in, in most instances, are life-saving commodities, food, medicine. You know, to really to, to to see that it's strategically, it's intentional, and that it really needs an end. Um, you know, that it's not just it just doesn't stay there. It's just not an immediate relief. Whether it could be maybe on the rapid onset of a, of a, of a crisis, yes. Um, but traditionally, what we want this is to really invoke, you know, a sense of uh, of change of transformation, um, like, you know, the word that we're kind of hearing, you know, in this, in this, uh, uh, you know, in this cast is a lot about resilience. So we want to basically also kind of have these communities and these populations, vulnerable populations to also become more uh, self-reliant as well. So that's where basically this all interconnects the role with uh, also our development team that makes run uh, that makes uh, you know produces those proposals submits those proposals for funding is to basically use gifts in kind or in kind donations as a uh, praxis you know for for development for change and then with that like I said is also the logistics aspect where we obviously need the help of Enrique we need the help of uh, Vector you know to move product from point A to point B. Um, and that's basically uh, where that uh, falls into place, where we rely heavily on those partnerships with, with freight forwarders to really, to really move these commodities because it's, it's very distinct. It's, I mean, the, 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 I think the, the approach and also uh, the treatment of, uh, of these movements is very unique and is very different than commercial uh, logistics. And uh, that's where really I think we put a keen, you know, a, a keen eye on who we're working with. Uh, we want them to also have a sense of, of, of intentionality, of really wanting to work with, you know, organizations like, our, like ours that are, you know, both in international development and, and, and relief where we, you know, can work together and collaboratively work to, you know, to, to achieve a good outcome, right? Because, um, you know, in the end of the day, this is a partnership. You know, we are different stakeholders. This is a, a large chain of, of actors um, that really have to be, you know, in sync. And your job essentially is to almost sell these potential in-kind organizations to help this organization to coordinate those shipments with what's needed on the ground in your various areas. Is that, I mean, is that a summation or is it, I know it's a lot more than that. 
No, that, that, you know, in a nutshell, yes. It's, it's basically, you know, I, I like to think of myself as, or in, in general, I think the gifts in kind vertical is a lot about being a matchmaker, you know, just yeah. being that intermediary of, of just matchmaking. Um, and, and, it, and it really takes those, uh, you know, a certain level of ability and capability to, to just, you know, make those connections and everything else in between that is just, you know, it's just a matter of finding the right fit. Um, and I think it's a matter of finding a right fit, the right donor, the right uh, organization that's, you know, also inclined and has like, it thinks quite um, similar to, you know, and has a similar interests and, and that Salesian Missions has and Salesian Congregation has. And all those actors in between that we also kind of, you know, are, are on the same page. Real quick, 135 locations. You've got supply chain managers with tons of resources, paid internal resources that have their hands full with four or five, 10 yeah. locations, right? <laughs> That's right yeah. To manage that 135 global locations and really it be where you're serving others, you're changing lives, you're doing, this is a noble mission. Kevin, I don't know how you're getting, I, I, you must have some clones because that, that, you must have several full plates managing this massive supp global supply chain doing the matchmaking, managing all the partners, and making sure that as these th as shipments go, that to your point, they are taken care of and, and folks are intentionally protecting so that when that product hits the ground, as Greg alluded to, you know, without good product, certainly without no product, but without good product, there's no program. So Kevin, you're doing, you're doing some, some yeoman's work here. And I think a caveat to, to all that is, uh, you know, and I can't just put it all on, on me and I think uh, you know there is we do have support here at Salesian Missions you know uh, there's another uh, you know another position there that also has an associate position that also backstops a lot of the uh, kind of deals more with the nuts and bolts the minutia of, of the workflow you know as far as you know the internal dealings with uh, uh, with arranging shipments and everything um, so we, we do have help and then obviously what we have is you know the on the ground help and you know while I would love to be able to say that, you know, we ship to all 135 countries, uh, you know, that's not, you know, I don't think that's humanly possible. Uh, you know, like I said, we do have to be intentional. And uh, obviously, with that being said, you know, there is also, you know, the, the challenges of, uh, you know, uh, of moving goods to certain countries, uh, you know, obviously with the different uh, regulations and, and customs requirements obviously kind of prohibit maybe the those uh those sort of activities so um you know we actively probably ship on average probably to at least 20 countries you know obviously trying every day and, and every year to kind of bolster that you know kind of uh, bring in new potential consignees partners on the ground that we can uh, definitely you know include in that pool but you know it's increasingly you know it's become it's become a challenge like i said i mean primarily speaking it's those uh you know the the situation, the I would say, you know, the um, enabling environments that we have to deal with, right, in, those, in the distinct and uh, different countries. So, Kevin, for reference, I, I was wondering if you could give a little bit yeah. more reference about which countries uh, are your top countries that you currently serve, and then also, uh, and and I think it's a interesting question, like which countries would you like to be able to serve, but like for whatever reason, regulations, contacts, uh, tough logistics. Uh, which countries would you like to ship to, but you haven't been able to because of uh, regulations? Our priority, um, you know, I guess our institutional priority here at, at uh, Salesian Missions is uh, to is to uh, put Africa, you know, as as, as, a, as a destination, Africa, the continent in general. 
so we do have a lot of uh, a lot of shipments are going to places uh, primarily landlocked countries uh, Uganda uh, Zambia the DRC Burundi those are kind of are the key areas where containers are going uh, there primarily food food assistance uh, is going there um, you know where we would and, and to a certain extent we've maybe had at some point um, you know done shipping to but now for whatever reason you know like Enrique alluded to tough logistics, you know, the enabling environment there uh, was, um, you know, has been like uh, South Sudan, Central African Republic. Those are, are two places where we've, we, we know there's a need, um, without a doubt there's a need, um, but it's just the uh, environments there just make it too, uh, really, really make it a, a challenge for us to really ship there, um, you know, to keep, to, to also at the same point, you know, when we're doing our shipments to make, maintain ourselves intentional and, and kind of find a strike a balance between those the needs on the ground and also the needs and, and, and requirements of our donors um, and, and when we really can't make those things work um, you know in line and, and be balanced then um, that that just really isn't a good deal for us and we just can't we can't really just go on doing something like that by shipping something that we just can't have control over so that that is um, that's something that you know looking forward I mean that's something that we would like to uh, to hopefully you know pin down and, and find a way to uh, successfully uh, uh, move cargo there. So I'll interpret a little bit for Kevin so he doesn't have to say it. When he says enabling environment, what he means is corrupt and oppressive governments that don't allow the, the gifts and the goods to get to the people who really need it. So he doesn't have to say that, N knowing that based on the, some of the countries you've named there. And it's so true, Greg, because it's not only uh, frustrating for, for him and his organization and some of us as well, but it's just it requires, yeah. uh, it's a completely different component, right? You can have the donors, you can have the people in the ground, you can have the logistics, you can have everything set up, and then you still have to deal with this completely random yeah. request or regulations that are preventing people to help each other, basically, right? So it, it doesn't make any sense to a lot of us, and so I guess that kind of speaks even yeah. higher on, on Kevin's kind of character and patience and and just the the whole team like how strategic they are and how they think about impact and and which one which has the best return on the investment basically and and yeah hopefully if uh, some of those countries are listening to us right now <laughs> it really goes to the spirit of the organization and frankly to Kevin's spirit that he so diplomatically <laughs> positions it right because it's a frustrating situation yes even yeah. when you're not in the middle of it, even when you just observe it, it's very frustrating to watch. And and for them to have, Kevin, you, and Salesian to have that spirit of just continuing to try and make progress, to do what you can, to enable it, to accommodate it to whatever extent you can so that it helps to improve the environment for the people you intend to help, I think that's commendable in a major way. You know, what it reminds me of, uh, Greg and Enrique, and, and all everyone, but Greg and Enrique were, have been privy to these conversations with Jasmine and Gooder. And Greg, one of your favorite quotes that, that we've been talking about religiously is that in terms of hunger, it's a logistics issue. And, and, and by logistics, I would, I would throw in the regulatory, these you know, cross-border issue, all that stuff uh, for the sake of that. We can do this, but we got to have folks working together, going back to what Kevin was talking about, you know, that sense of purpose and connection with the local community in each of these local communities, acknowledging there's a problem and let's work together and get 
we've got plenty of product, we've got plenty of food, we've got plenty of supplies. But man, there's got to be a it's got to be a willingness to get it to the folks in need. And it's more than that. This is not a lack of willingness or bureaucracy. This is in as intentional as Kevin and the folks at Salesian are about getting goods and assistance to people. These governments are as intentional in co-opting, basically stealing and and using it for themselves or trying to sell it to these people. So that's frankly, is something that's not news if you follow a lot of charitable uh, organizations around the world. But that's something that it's difficult for a group like Salesian to get past that. And yeah. I don't know how you do it other than to just endure it, which it sounds like is, like I said, it's a great spirit of you to be able to do that. So Enrique, look, um, we talked about probably the toughest topic that Kevin has to face, right? And I know, I know that, and I know your comp you and your company's affinity for getting goods to people in need, the fact that you donate every time you move um, a container and that sort of thing. So tell us a little bit about what makes you such a big fan, why you wanted us to meet Kevin, why you wanted us to hear about Salesian Missions, and, and what you admire probably most about the organization. It's a, a very traditional organization. It, they have an incredible history of helping other people, and there's many, many different things that that we admire in terms of the programs that they offer. They go from like education to homeless to workforce development to food security and to shipping aid. So it's it's a very, very well-rounded, very strategic, cohesive with a with a huge history kind of organization. So it's it's what I personally um, admire about them is it's just they they want to help children and, and education is key for solution missions and, and I me personally and, and I believe Vector as a company shares uh, that same notion that that education is very important. So uh, so giving children hope, giving children an opportunity, I think is gonna make the whole world better. And so I Kevin runs a tight ship. Uh, we admire his efficiency and, and the way they handle logistics and, and so our partnership with them is very rewarding because as he kind of put it, when we're shipping containers for them, it's it's really more than just shipping a 20-foot container or a 40-foot container or whatever it might be. It's really more about just giving medicine or food to people that need it and people on the ground that have been literally investing their lives to help others in those communities and so it just really uh, makes us proud to be part of such an amazing cause so thanks Kevin for, for, for what you do and, and please pass that on to like everyone that's on the ground because it's just amazing that that people have such love for others that, that they would dedicate their whole lives to to supporting kids in other regions in other countries so let's stick with that, Enrique. Let's broaden the scope a bit. We, and, and this has been surprisingly broad. I mean, th these are some big, when you serve 135 countries, but I know we're curious about what else is between Kevin's ears, really, uh, when it comes to global business. Yeah, so now, Kevin, um, in general, I mean, with everything that's going on this year, and it's been a pretty interesting year for all, like, where, how do you, how are you managing uh, everything, and what kind of, like, information or what kind of uh, indicators do you pay closer attention to when it comes to managing an already complex logistics uh, network under such kind of challenging uh, and unique circumstances like the ones that we're leaving with uh, 
coronavirus and uh, racial inequality and a lot of other problems that you're probably facing at the same time as you're trying to match the donors with the uh, potential help? I think, uh, you know, in this ever-changing environment that we've had and that we're, you know, we're faced with, you know, that being the pandemic, different aspects of racial tensions, and just in general, I think there's something to be said that has to be said about humanitarian work, humanitarian logistics, and I think is that we've always been faced with, with uncertainty, without a doubt. That's just the nature of the beast for us, and, and even more so for the folks on the ground, those subject matter experts that are there day in and day out working with the least of these, you know, working with those that really uh, are looking to be heard. And, uh, you know, I just feel that, you know, Salesian Missions is just continuously finding a way to just work through that, finding a way to obviously to make their, make everything work in the sense where we can strongly advocate for those needs, uh, strongly advocate for what, you know, they have, what they need, and what they can um, definitely, you know, bring long for the long term and i think you know some of those uh pressing things are definitely you know when when we're doing a shipment now uh, you know in the past few uh months obviously you know some of the things you know logistically speaking that has uh you know that has uh given me some uh you know has challenged me is definitely you know the, the blank sailings that are happening all across the board with uh you know the steamship lines drivers truckers aren't able to uh you know really aren't willing to work or just don't uh, aren't able to work for whatever reason, given the situation, the pandemic, and the cross-border um, activities, you know, that uh, are obviously happening, you know, the, regu- the, 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 uh, the, the laws, or I say the regulations that are also happening there with uh, the different government bodies, you know, that are requiring, you know, truckers to, to, to quarantine and whatnot. So obviously that puts a damper on, on the whole uh, supply chain as well. And obviously that, you know, translates to, uh, to dollars. And, and that, you know, that for me is, is something that is uh, of grave concern, I'm sure for other humanitarian organizations as well, you know, that, that that's something that, you know, we've, I've at least we've encountered here at Salesian Missions, and I'm sure other folks as well. No shortage of challenges, uh, whether you're in the nonprofit space, or the for-profit space, 2020, it goes without saying, it's been an incredibly challenging year on a variety of levels. But, you know, really admire you and your team's focus, like, like everyone here has said, you know, to double down on these, in these challenging years. I mean, every year is challenging, given your mission. But to double down and just recommit to the folks you're serving is, is, is incredibly admir- admirable. And uh, hopefully some of our listeners might can provide some resources and, and reach out to you and, and help make that a little bit easier at least. That is such a great idea. People should reach out. So, Kevin, tell us how, how can people reach Salesian Missions? How can they reach you, connect with you, even if they want to learn or, or share or donate or participate? Uh, resource there is definitely uh, the Salesian Mission uh, website. So you can go to uh, www.salesianmissions.org. It's a great resource there. You can look through the different projects that we have going, funding opportunities, learn more about our uh, organization, and, uh, of course, of the, uh, the partners that we have, the Salesians themselves, missionaries, and the work and programming that they have in, all the, in different, in different uh, thematic areas. Uh, it's, it's education. It's health, it's uh, wash, uh, you know, water and hygiene, and also, you know, uh, healthcare, um, you know, health uh, and, and 
clinics as well. So uh, please, yeah, reach out to us through there. Uh, we have a general inquiry uh, email there as well um, that you can definitely look into. And uh, yeah, please do. Please reach out to us. All right. So Salesians, salesianmissions.org, right? Um, all right. So Enrique, give us a little bit of an update on what you all are doing and how folks can uh, connect with you as well. Yes, no, um, Vector has been pivoting into sourcing and helping throughout the pandemic. We're not doing it and around the world. We're trying to change at least the communities that we are in and starting with Atlanta. We're kind of uh, partnering with Love Beyond Walls, an organization here in Atlanta that helps homeless people. And we're trying to not only help them source some of their uh, sinks, but also kind of trying to provide them with face masks and support in general with everything else that uh, that they might need to make sure that the vulnerable community of our homeless uh, is uh, safe and, and, and also healthy. Other than that, I I just love working with uh, Kevin and his team. I think they have a great company and, uh, and we would love to continue helping them in any way we can. And, and so if if you're listening out there and, and you you have a good heart and want to continue changing the world, uh, just join us. We at Vector, we believe that a few caring people can indeed change the world. And, and I think it's clear that, that the world needs people like Kevin and his team more than more than ever before. So uh, just don't be shy. Contact Kevin, contact his company, and let's kind of try to together uh, get out of this mess as soon as possible. We're going to make it easy. Uh, we're going to put the link to Solution Missions and the website in the show notes, make it really easy there. We're going to put Kevin's LinkedIn profile. So if you've got questions about how to get involved, you can reach out to him there. And as always, if for some reason there's a challenge getting through, reach out to Enrique and Elisa and the Vector team. Uh, on that note, Enrique, how can folks reach out to you and Vector team? Yeah, no, they can reach out to us through our webpage at VectorGL.com or just sending me an email at Enrique.Alvarez at VectorGL.com or contacting Elisa and I let her give uh, a little bit more uh, commentary because I feel like we haven't really let her speak today for whatever <laughs> yeah. reason. <laughs> yeah, don't worry about it. Uh, yeah, you can also contact, uh, contact us via Instagram. It's Vector Global Giving. I think you, you need to put a dash between each word. And then you can also contact me. My email is elisa.rodriguez at vectordl.com. If you want to pronounce it, pronunciate, correct, is Rodriguez. <laughs> but that's it. Awesome. Thanks, Elisa. Thank you, Elisa. Thank you, Elisa. Thanks, everybody here. As we, as we bring this episode to a close, I want to give a big thanks to Kevin Carvajal, in-kind logistics officer with the Office for International Programs with Solution Missions. Kevin, you're doing incredible work. Big kudos to you and the whole team there. Uh, Godspeed as you move forward and we get through this challenging year. We'll have to have you back on and reconnect maybe at the end of the year and kind of see how things turned out. Yeah, I would love to. Scott, uh, Greg, Enrique, Lisa, pleasure. You know, thank you for having me. And, uh, yeah, this is, uh, you know, we're all in, you know, we're all in this together, I think, you know, with all this, uh, uh, the pandemic, everything that's gone on. Um, but I'm sure we'll, we'll weather the storm and we'll come out, um, we'll come out better from this. And, and I'm sure definitely the communities that we're serving uh, will also, are also feeling that as well. Um, they feel the love. I think they feel the uh, solidarity as well. And uh, we're thankful for, uh, for partners like, uh, like Vector that also help us, you know, get this, get the goods to where they have to go. 
Thanks again, Kevin. It's a pleasure having you here. Outstanding. That's a great note to finish on there. All right, so also big thanks to, of course, Enrique Alvarez, Managing Director with Vector Global Logistics, Elisa Rodriguez, uh, Sales Associate with Vector. Love what the Vector team's doing. Love this series and really appreciate your commitment to changing the world, Enrique, working with different partners and, and different parts of the world. I mean, it's so intentional and it's just a breath of fresh air, Greg, every time we have one of these installments. It is. It's inspiring. And, uh, and I got to tell you, I think Kevin may be uniquely equipped for the difficulties that he sees uh, and the challenges that he faces each day. Very level dude, man. I mean, <laughs> whether he's talking about, you know, being able to get a container through customs or real and violent oppression, man, he just deals with it. You can just tell. So You don't want to play cards with Kevin. You no, don't want to I'm play cards with Kevin. <laughs> <laughs> no, good stuff there. Everyone, great conversation. To our audience, hope you enjoyed this episode of Logistics with Purpose on Supply Chain Now as much as we did. Wishing you all the best. Hey, we got to challenge our audience just like we challenge ourselves. Hey, do good, give forward, but be the change that's needed. And on that note, we'll see you next time here on Supply Chain Now. Thanks, everybody.